Hey guys, welcome back to the Beck and Call podcast. I am your host, Merritt Beck. I am a fashion and lifestyle blogger. And on this podcast, I'm talking about all things life, work, and love as a single woman in my 30s. I am so excited about this episode, you guys. I have Brad of Bevel Dog Behavior on later on in the episode. We have a very long chat about all things dogs. He is the founder and owner of Bevel Dog Behavior, which is where I sent my dog, Reese's, for boot camp, and I take her there to board every time I travel. He is just such a wealth of knowledge in terms of dog psychology and behavior and training, and I can't wait for you guys to hear our conversation. I know I always encourage you guys to share the podcast with your friends, but this episode in particular is going to be perfect for sharing with anyone you know, considering getting a dog, anyone you know who's recently gotten a puppy, or anyone you know who has a dog that might be struggling with behavioral issues. In addition to sharing general advice, I also asked Brad to answer several listener submitted questions at the end of the interview. So needless to say, this episode contains a ton of amazing information that I think any current or potential dog owner would find helpful. But before we jump into it with Brad, I do have a few personal updates to share from the last week. Earlier this week, I started working on the collages for my next capsule wardrobe, which will be the spring capsule. I'm hoping to launch it next week, but naturally I'm having a couple of issues with it at the moment. So I already created a bunch of the collages and just noticed today that the sneakers I'd picked out are now totally sold out. Uh, which is a bummer. So now I have to find a new pair and replace that photo in every collage I've made so far. I'm also struggling to find a jacket in the right shade of tan that isn't a million dollars and also has a flat lay photo available. And if you're not familiar with the lingo, a flat lay photo is basically just a picture of the item not on a model. So it looks like it's laying flat or hanging or something like that, but just not on the model because if it's not on the model... I, or if it is on the model, I can't use it in the collages. It just doesn't work. So I'm planning to spend all day tomorrow, which was, which will be Tuesday by the time this comes out, on finalizing those items so I can finish the capsule. But we'll see. Uh, once I finish all of the collages, I'll start putting everything into InDesign. And if all goes according to plan, the spring capsule will be live by the time this the next episode airs next week. So I'll report back and let you guys know if it's live in next week's episode. On a totally different note, last week I discovered my outdoor cushions had been destroyed by a pest. I originally thought it was the feral cats that seemed to congregate in my next door neighbor's house, as I've seen them lounging in my backyard on a number of occasions. Um, And I spoke about this issue that I was having several months back as these cats were also shitting in my yard and burying it for my dog Reese's to find. So over the last several months, I've taken a few preventative measures to try and keep the cats out of my backyard. Um, like for example, I added, I had my yard guys add this mesh to the bottom part of my fence just to keep them from digging under the fence. They were able to slip in and out so easily because they had kind of dug up the dirt underneath the fence line. And so by adding this mesh, I think it's, it's helped just because it's not as easy for them to get in out, in and out, but they still can climb. So they're still climbing over the fence. I I haven't seen them as often, but I have seen them in my backyard. So I know they're still getting in there. I also have gotten nature's mace. It's a cat deterrent and sprayed that all over the yard. I've also added these ultrasonic animal deterrent devices. Neither of those seem to help very much. And so the, the mesh I think has helped the most, but they're still here and it's annoying to me. But anyway, after I posted about the pillows, a bunch of you guys reached out and said it's more likely squirrels who burrow to find stuffing for nesting, which 
I had no idea. Color me surprised. I had never heard of that before. I'm like not at all familiar with the nesting habits of any animals. So (laughs) that was news to me. Either way, I moved all of my outdoor cushions into my garage for the time being, since I'm not spending time out there right now anyway. The pillows that have been destroyed may have been destroyed by squirrels and not those cats, but I did write my neighbor a little note about the cats and how they've been an issue for me over the last year and what they've been doing in my backyard. Wasn't accusatory by any means, but I simply wanted to ask if he knew they were congregating back there, if they were feral or if they were just his outside cats, if he was feeding them. I sort of asked him several questions. And then I said, if they are in fact feral, I'd love your help in figuring out a way to remove them because they're just causing problems for me. So I gave him my number and email. I still haven't heard back. So either he doesn't check his mail or he's just ignoring me. But (laughs) that's the update on that. I'll report back if I do ever hear from him. I mentioned last week that I was having a bit of an existential crisis with alcohol and needed to reevaluate how I manage my drinking when I go out, um, specifically like on dates and with friends on like the weekends. So I took it pretty easy all last week, with the exception of going to dinner with Emma, who you've heard me talk about. She writes Emma's thing. She's at Emma's thing on Instagram, and she now has That's What E Said. It's a podcast. So check that out. We went to Shinsei on Wednesday, which is one of my very favorite neighborhood spots. Really great sushi, a bunch of really yummy things on that menu. I decided to just have some hot tea that night and it was actually perfect. I normally, when I go out to dinner with friends, have a glass of wine or something like that. And Emma got a glass of wine. And while I was tempted, I didn't need it or want it. So I just didn't get it. Sometimes I worry I'm less talkative when I don't drink in social situations, like on dates, for example. But I definitely think that's only when nerves are involved or if I'm like really tired. But Emma and I had a great time at dinner and it reminded me that I'm just as fun and outgoing sober as I am when I'm drinking. So like I don't need the alcohol. But with that said, (laughs) I did drink a bit this weekend. I went over to my friend Natalie's house and I hung out with her and her husband, Houston, and their darling twins who also happen to be my precious godchildren. And it was so fun to play with the kids. And we ended up eating Itzy's pizza that night with a couple glasses of wine. And it was so much fun. I will say I woke up with a headache the next morning, which was unfortunate. But luckily, it didn't throw off my entire day. I'm telling y'all, a couple glasses will do it to me. I had a date on Saturday, a day date, and decided on kind of a different game plan than I've had the last several times I've gone out. We did a bit of a restaurant hop. We started at Hudson House for an app and then went to Yo Lobster for lunch, like our brunch. And I decided to just stick to drinking beer all day because after our late brunch, we went bowling. Then we met up with some of his friends. Then we had dinner. So it was it ended, it ended up being a pretty long day. It was really, really fun. It was a very long date. And I did drink quite a bit, but drinking beer was definitely the way to go. That's all I had all day. I drink I drink way more slowly with beer than I do with the other alcohols because it's carbonated and it fills me up. And so I, I drink them very slowly, like one an hour. So I, I definitely drink less and I don't feel as bad because of that. So I wouldn't say beer is necessarily my number one drink of choice, but we ended up having a ton of fun Saturday and I still woke up feeling amazing on Sunday. So It was definitely worth the switch to beer for that reason alone. Saturday night, we actually started a new show called 80 or Archive 81 on Netflix. And I actually finished it on Sunday afternoon because I wanted to talk to y'all about it. I'd say the genre of this show straddles suspense and horror. But if you're scared easily, you might want to avoid this show. 
there are kind of two storylines happening at once and going on at, in different times. So in one, there's a young woman who's like searching for her birth mother. This is in the 90s. She's filming her experience as she looks for her mother in this old building that her mother supposedly had a connection to. The other storyline is happening in present day. And it's this archivist who takes a job restoring damaged videotapes, which, spoiler alert, just so happened to be the ones that she filmed. The stories end up converging at some point, as you might expect, but it takes some seriously weird turns throughout the show. It's like, devil worship and seances and time travel and witches. It's like my mom, I think would hate it. But if you like anything having to do with any of those things, uh, like cults or anything like that, definitely watch it. It's one that'll keep you on the edge of your seat. But I will say it gets more and more bizarre. I feel like the time travel stuff showed up the last two episodes. It really kind of stuck with the cult concept the entire time until those last two episodes. So anyway, I'd recommend it. I really enjoyed it. But if you're not into those themes, then maybe avoid it. (laughs) After I finished Archive 81, I started Afterlife, which is a show I've heard about a bunch, but I hadn't seen it yet. There are currently three seasons and I'm only on season one, but I'm loving it so far. So Afterlife is a dark comedy featuring Ricky Gervais, who's hilarious, by the way, Uh, but it features him as a widower who is struggling to get back to his normal life after his wife dies of cancer. And she leaves behind these videotapes for him to watch. So each episode starts with a portion of the tape where she's giving him advice or trying to help him through the grieving process. And obviously it's very sad. The show is so funny though. But like I said, it's a dark comedy. So I need to throw out a bit of a content warning for this because suicide is brought up quite a bit. Each episode is basically Ricky Gervais going about his normal mundane life while contemplating suicide, but then ultimately putting it off because of something silly, like needing to feed their dog. So while at times it's very depressing, it's really heartwarming and really cute. And he's hilarious. The writing is hilarious. The episodes are really quick and I'm just like blowing through it and I can't watch. I can't wait to keep watching it. So definitely recommend this show if you can handle that kind of storyline, but you can find Afterlife on Netflix. I also watched the first episode of The Gilded Age on HBO Max last week, and I can't wait to watch more episodes of that, too. So if you haven't heard about this one, it's about several families in New York City after the Industrial Revolution and like the big changes to the economy and social hierarchies during that time. So like think old money versus new money and kind of the drama around that. And the show feels way more geared towards women since it focuses on that drama of like social classes and who's who in New York. but. Once they bring in more of the railroad business and conflicts around that, I think it may be, you know, (laughs) more appealing to men. But I really liked it. Obviously, the costumes are great. It's a great cast, too. Uh, The acting leaves a little bit to be desired. Like Cynthia Nixon plays one of the aunts and she plays Miranda Hobbs on Sex and the City. And I have a really hard time separating the two people. So I'm having trouble with her character a little bit because she's such like a spinster and like quiet and sweet. I don't know. It's just a very different character for her. And I'm having trouble digesting that. I really, I really do think this is going to be a good show and I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. So you can check out The Gilded Age on HBO Max if you want to watch. And in other personal news, my friend and fellow podcaster Kate Kennedy is coming to Dallas this week. 
She is hosting her final track five live show here at the Southside Music Hall on Friday, which I'm definitely going to. But she's coming in a couple days early to stay with me and hang out before her show. And I cannot wait to see her and catch up. And I'm excited to share that when she's here, she's going to be staying at my house and we're going to record for my podcast. So I'm excited to have her on the podcast and she's had me on hers a number of times already. I'm thrilled that she's coming to town and I cannot wait to catch up with her. You've likely already heard me talk about Kate and her podcast, Be There in Five, before, but if not, you are missing out. Her podcast is all about millennial nostalgia, and she has some incredible deep dives on topics like MLMs, Bath and Body Works, influencers, and most recently, last week's episode is all about Abercrombie and Fitch and like what that was like when we were growing up. I mean, it was the epitome of cool. And like, I was never cool enough to wear it. The clothes never fit me because I was too tall. It just didn't work. But great episodes. Definitely check out Be There in Five. I've actually recorded four episodes with her for her podcast as well, which you should definitely listen to if you haven't. The episodes are number 103, that's Southern Bells and Royal Farewells. And I'm talking about being a debutante in the South. Um, Number 77, which is Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's Royally Rocky Summer, which is a Royals update. And then the first two episodes we recorded was sort of a two-parter. So it was a very long recording session we did that she split into two episodes. And that's episodes 58 and 59. And it's all about Meghan Markle and the royal family. And we're just chatting about that. And it was the first time we, we recorded together. She was in Dallas for business and That's when I met her and she and I, I mean, we just clicked right away. I love her so much. I cannot wait to see her this week, but definitely check out Be There in Five if you are looking for another podcast to add to your weekly rotation. We've got Brad, the founder of Bevel Dog Behavior here. You are my first real guest. I've had my mom and sister and Liza, who I pay on on the podcast, but I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here and very honored to be your first guest. Oh, thanks. So first off, I'd love it if you could share a bit of an introduction into how you started Bevel Dog Behavior, your journey and your career up into this point for those of my listeners who may not be familiar with what you do and your backstory? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And it, it's kind of, I, I had a, a, a bit of a, I don't know, a weird journey to get here. But when I really look back at it, it, it all fits together and makes total sense. Um, I guess to answer the first part of your question, what I do is, is dog behavior, not dog training. So I spend a lot less time on the body, what the body's doing, sit down, stay, come, heal, place, and a lot more on what the brain is doing. Right. Um, calm, aggressive, uh, insecure, nervous, anxious. Um, so we, we really just bring dogs back to balance and then try to teach the owners the best we can how to keep them there. Yeah. Would so. you say, would you say that your approach, the behavior approach is common in like dog training kind of businesses or no? No. I mean, there's a lot of it out there, but I think we're so, there's so much training out there that we, we get buried by the trainers. Cause there's just so many trainers out there and they're all doing something different. Yes. So. Oh my God. Yeah. There's so many debates you yeah. can have about this. The thing that I say on that topic, and I'm sure we'll touch on it a little bit later is I didn't make the stuff up. Mother nature did. I'm right. just doing my best to communicate what I've learned about mother nature. And I don't understand how you can debate 
how Mother Nature works. All you have to do is open your eyes and watch it happen. Watch their animal instincts right. and all of that. Yeah, That's right. for sure. So, but in terms of my journey, how I got here, um, you know, we, I grew up with a bunch of animals at home. So I had, we had dogs, we had rooster, we had uh, a rabbit that, and they all just live wild in the backyard. Yeah. We had ducks, we had parakeets. I had, I had parakeets growing really? up. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I had gerbils and hamsters. I mean, we, I, we just always had animals. Right. So it was just a way of life for me. It was, it, it was just normal. Yeah. You know, then I started working on my uncle's ranch when I grew, when I was in high school. Um, and that's where I really started feeling like I was connecting with animals. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time, um, one of my cousin's friends, they had a big ranch and they had border collies. It was one of the first time I saw a border collie work with a human to herd cattle. Oh, Okay. And seeing that thing happen, I was just like blown away. Mesmerized. Yeah. yeah. So of course, you know, that summer I got a border collie <laughs> named her Georgia straight bevel. That's so and, cute. Uh, yeah. And she was like my soulmate. So then I started uh, helping out a buddy in Irving that had a horse ranch, taking my border collie there, started learning how to ride horses, rope, all that kind of stuff. And so it was just, I don't know, instinctual. And I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. But I didn't know I could ever make a living doing, doing that. anything animal related. Right. And that's sort of the dream too. I had totally. a, I had a random internship in college where I basically, I, I worked, they paid me. I worked at the SPCA of Texas and okay. helped them out with their summer camp. And I was like, if I actually got paid well, like I would do this. Right. <laughs> this is so fun. Totally. But it, it, is, it is hard to make a, a good living in the pet industry without being, I don't know, a little bit weird or off sketchy. Or sketchy. There's something, there's a lot of marketing happening. scams out there, Yeah, you know, for dog, it's like here, all it is, or it's charity. And so right. you don't get paid a lot. That's in the that. other option. Yeah. 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 The, the whole pet industry just plays to human emotions. That's for sure. it. That's why my direct approach sometime can be a little bit like, whoa, but you're, you're direct. I'm you're very, very direct. direct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, th I may have warned people that, or maybe I just in my mind was like, I can't wait. I know I told Liza this. I was like, I can't wait to see how he responds to some of these questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do the best I can to be sweet. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, it was just always in my blood, but uh, I stumbled into a corporate career. I did not mean to have one. I thought I was going to be a baseball coach, a fireman, a Marine. My dad was a Marine and Typical I considered man jobs. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, um, I was, I'm 45. So I was part of the generation that just like figured the internet out kind of. Mm -hmm. So like we taught ourselves how to write code and develop websites and right. because there was no college courses, you know, yeah, developed. school in 94, uh, graduated in 98. And like, there was nothing to no, no classes offered. That was right? like pre-blogging and everything. Sure. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. yeah. So then it was like everyone trying to figure out how to monetize the internet. Right. So I taught myself web development to, to a certain degree. I was never amazing. And then like video editing and mm -hmm. Photoshop and played around with 3D rendering software and started building sites for people on the side and making a little bit of money. And, um, see, I didn't know you did this. Yeah. This is new to me. I mean, I, I, you've told me about the marketing part, but I didn't know you did actual content creation. I did. And this was again, this was like 98, 99. Okay. Um, so I was working at Nokia and at the time it was the number eight brand in the world and the largest handset maker in the world. So, and we were like crushing. Yeah. But when I say I worked at Nokia, I was actually a personal trainer in the corporate gym. 
Really? Yeah. So my degree, <laughs> You've been all over the place. Well, my degree, I mean, I played baseball through yeah. college. Uh, my degree is in exercise sports science. So it was a natural transition. Like, all right, I'm going to be a personal trainer. Right. And then at night I was teaching myself this website stuff just so I could make extra money. Um, and then I had personal interest too. Like I played on a baseball team and I wanted them to have a cool website. So right. I was doing stuff like that. And, uh, one day I was training one of my clients and she was like, Hey, haven't you been building websites? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, corporate communications has a job open for a website developer. And I was like, I'm in, Yeah. you know, cause I love personal training, but it was kind of, that's awesome too. word of mouth. It's not like you were, right. it kind of fell in your lap. That's exciting. Totally. So one interview got the job and then my corporate career took off. So I went from being a web developer to kind of running like a little internal agency within Nokia. And we were doing a lot of content creation for, you know, the internal groups. And then I went from there to be, um, the head of us digital marketing for the games business unit. Okay. And then I went on to be the global head of digital marketing for the games business unit. Wow. Okay. Just kind of, I stayed there seven years Yeah. and I loved it. I mean, it's a finished company. The culture was amazing. I was, you know, Mohawk and Dickies and t-shirts. Yeah, totally. It was great. Uh, but I got spoiled because the rest of corporate America is not it's like, not, not yeah. back then it wasn't. Yeah. So when I left, um, even still today, I feel like certain companies, yes. Like if you work for Google or Apple sure. or like reward style, the startup here, who's very corporate now, but the culture is still really young and cause right. it's like a tech company, but right. Yeah. Yeah. It's more common now, but yeah, you're right. It's still a little stuffy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I did that and I went a couple other places. I ended up running an advertising agency in San Francisco for five years. Wow. I didn't know that either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the whole time I'm like, I stumbled into this. It was never a passion. It just, at the expense of sounding arrogant, I felt like it was kind of easy in a way because everyone's kind of mediocre. Like people, I'm not that smart. I just work harder really than hard. everyone. Yeah. yeah. And so- I ended up having this big role and I was just like, like, I'm not happy. Right. I'm traveling all the time. It's, it's affecting my relationships. It's affecting, you know, my, the things I like to do personally. So I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the client side where I can have a more normal job. And then I'm going to figure out what I want to do after that. Yeah. Because I, I knew I wanted to own a business, no doubt. Yeah. Being your own boss is uh, above the rest. But I I had no clue what to do. Right. So I got a job as vice president of marketing for a, um, for a restaurant group. Okay. And it was, it was really nice because it was, that's a little bit of an old school industry. So it was very like nine to five ish mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I got my life back and I okay. wasn't traveling. I wasn't having, you know, 11 PM conference calls, things like that. So I was able to have the mental space to figure out what it is what I you wanted. wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I started like, I would get my guitar out and just like play songs. And then I'd like write down stuff that I liked, you know, and I would sit on the back porch and drink a beer and just like write down stuff that I thought I was good at. Inspired you or Yeah. And I just like started making these lists and it just kind of kept coming back to, to animals. And then I got a dog and, um, he had, he was pretty good, but he had some issues and I didn't know exactly what to do because everything I did was instinctual. I never studied it. It was all from the ranch and from, you know, growing up. So I started studying, come to find out 
a lot of what I was doing is what is now everyone refers to as dog psychology, like being instinctual with them and communicating with them in a way that they kind of naturally understand Mm -hmm. versus trying to manipulate the body. Now, did you, was part of this when you were starting to study it, did you find that your friends were like, how is your dog so calm or how, like, did people ask you? They didn't start really paying attention and took like everybody loved that dog. His name was Hondo. He's like, the reason that BDB exists. Okay. They didn't start really doing that stuff until I was walking like nine dogs. Okay. And I was just, I was still in my corporate career. But this is just like kind of on the side. And they're like, how are you walking nine dogs? And I'm like, it's not that hard. That's one of the questions people asked was, how do you do that with the pack walks and stuff? So we'll have to cover. You teach them one at a time. (laughs) You know, can't just start them all out together. (laughs) Teach them one at a time. You take your time. But that's when people started to notice. And then I started helping people with their dogs. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I, I have a gift here mm-hmm. that I didn't really know I had. Do you think part of that is, and I, this is something that I have noticed with like my friends with dogs and just, I don't know, being around animals and kids too, is that they pick up on your energy. And I feel like you are very calm mm-hmm. and even keeled. And I feel like that just makes you a good person to be around dogs. I feel right. like not everyone is like that. Like I have friends with anxiety and Correct. it's very evident that their dogs have it too. Totally. Um, yeah. So I feel like that's something really important to think about also. But I, I think that's why, like I use the word gift because it's not something that I tried to have. Right. It's just and you. It, and it wasn't the mechanics of what I was doing really. It was, I mean, some, some of it's mechanics, but it's also how to use your energy. The other thing that I have, everyone says that like, you, you know, you have this like, soothing voice and mm-hmm. you're calm, you seem calm all the time, but I can also be intense. Right. And the ability to, to drive the energy up. A lot of people are easy at bringing the energy down, um, and being, or staying up or, or staying but not, up. Yeah. yeah. But, it, but they're not coming from, um, it's not usually intentional. Like for they, me, I feel like I'm always, I, I'm not anxious by any, you know, stretch of the imagination, but I'm just like, when I'm worried about her doing something, I'm tense. Like yeah. I'm like, you are. I'm uh, like, I know that well, you've <laughs> you pointed are. it out to me, but it's like, if Reese's is doing something that she, sh- I don't want her to be doing instead of like trying to bring her back to a calm level, I am tense. And so yeah. she is reacting to that. That's right. So. I, I always say that like one end of the leash has to be modeling the behavior that you want, that we want. Yes. And if we're matching the dog, it's we not got a work. problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. so, but yeah, th- I think that that energy thing is, is important. I think a lot of people have a hard time like controlling it. Their, it, their energy changes, but it's more reactive versus right. intentional. I think my ability to kind of like go up when I need to and come down when I need to is good, mm-hmm. but it took me a long time to learn how to come down Yeah, because it's a lot easier for me to go up. Yeah. You know? Um, so anyway, I, I started helping people on the side and then it just grew. And one day we got a new I've never told this story. I don't think. Live. Can't wait. Tell me. <laughs> Hopefully I don't make somebody mad. <laughs> yeah. But we, we got a new president at the company I was at. Okay. And me and this guy did not see eye to eye on the direction of the brand. Okay. And so I'm like, I'm not going to give all the details, but basically like, I'm not going to quit. Yeah. It's like, you can keep paying me to come in here and disagree with you in front of all the other executives or, we can figure something out. Yeah. And by now I already had my business plan. I had the website built. I had all my branding done. I had photography done. Mm -hmm. I was ready. 
and I would, I wouldn't have quit. I mean, I would have stayed there. I was committed to the company. Yeah. Big time. You'd put your time in. Yeah. Yeah. And I would have, I would have stayed there, but he was like, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Perfect. So we worked out a deal. I walked. I can't remember how long it was after that. That you officially launched. Yeah, how long I, have you you been open? So I've been doing, I've been getting paid for it, to do this for eight years. I mean, okay. I've been doing it forever, but yeah. I've been getting paid for eight years. It's been like officially bevel or dog not, behavior. No, it's nine now. Okay. Yeah. Almost a decade. Yeah, another year Very went exciting. by. Yeah, so nine years. But yeah. um, I, I I have the date It's because it, it's in Facebook. I made one post <laughs> on Facebook that, hey, this is what I'm doing now. And I booked like that weekend, I went to my cousin's ranch, the same cousin, yeah. just to like get away. And that weekend I booked out like three months. That's awesome. It was amazing. And it, it hasn't gone away. It's just kind of always grown. So I wanted to ask you about that. One of the questions, I, I made a list of questions for him so I wouldn't forget, but Bevel has grown so fast over the years and it sounds like it was like big right off the bat. People were really receptive to it. You currently have locations in Dallas, Rockwall and Fort Worth. Do you have yes. any plans to spread further or are you good? You like having it kind of local and being I, able to have your hands in everything. I have to have my hands on. I have no desire to take it to other cities. Okay. It's this business. You can't replicate it and you really it's can't. It's not like a franchise. Yeah. No. Cause what we do is we deal with really, really difficult dogs and you can't just hire someone who like, I love dogs. I want to work for a dog training They have to company. fully understand and your it's philosophy. Dangerous. I mean, yeah. you see me playing with my, my hand right now. Mm-hmm. It's because I have two fingernails coming off from dog bites. I've got holes in my hands. Yeah. Like it's dangerous, Yeah, you know? And the only way I can help a dog like that is not be scared. Right. And so like, and you can't teach, you can't, you can't teach, teach that. No, you have to be messed up. Right. <laughs> like, that's the bottom line. Like there's something, some fear thing that I'm missing. And so it allows me to, to, I couldn't do it. I'll tell you that. To deal with those dogs. It's also stupid. If you know, a dog's going to bite you, muzzle them. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, sometimes muzzles make dogs kind of like. More aggressive? No, humble. Oh, okay. Like, so that you're not going to see that behavior. Cause, oh, okay. Because they know that they can't get anything out correct. of it. Okay. Yeah, you're they, taking it's their, like a learned thing almost. Yeah. So um, anyway, yes, it grew very fast. No, I don't want to go to other cities. I don't want to franchise. Uh, I would be open to another location if it was already an established trainer who just didn't want to do the business part, the marketing part, the finance part. He just wanted to do the training part. Yeah. I would be open to it, but honestly, Austin could use something like that. <laughs> totally. I've had, I've, I have a lot of listeners and like blog readers and stuff in Texas Yeah, and people are always asking me, that's where I'm from. So people right. are always asking me like, do you know of someone similar in Austin? Yeah. So, <laughs> And I, you know, I get those questions a lot too. And I, there's only a, a few people that I would, that you trust yeah, that, to send people to. Well, Cause I've never seen a lot of these, like there's a lot of cool dog behaviors that I know, but I've never seen their work or their facilities or, their facility. or anything yeah, totally. like that. So it yeah. makes me nervous to, right. to refer people out. But, right. but um, one thing, one thing you have done, even though you're not planning on like expanding to a bunch of different places is you've sort of transitioned to more of a membership yes. um, structure. So what's yeah. that been like? How long has that been going? It's been, it just launched January 1st. Okay. Yeah. This year it just launched. Why yeah. did I think we all announced well, we started it talking okay. about it months ago. So yeah. what, um, what's that transition been like? It's been amazing. You love it's that? It's been amazing. Yeah. So what happened is um, we just grew too much. And because I have no desire to grow the business through volume, I had to find a way to, and th- there's also a principal part to that, that model. And that is, I honestly don't want to keep working with humans who are not going to put in the work at home. Right. At this point, we have a big enough um, 
client base that I can work with people who are going to do the work. And you also want people who are going to keep coming back. So not just like a one and done like training and then you'll never see them again. Like I love being able to leave Reese's with you guys. I know that she'll keep up her training while she's there and she'll be around other well-socialized dogs. Like y'all have so many other amazing benefits in your program. Yeah. And I I think that's the, that's important part of this membership thing is they, uh, your listeners have to understand that it's an ecosystem. Like right. what I built is an ecosystem to help behavior and to continue to help humans. And the ecosystem is, is built on the human addiction uh, rehab model. I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. The whole things built on the human addiction rehab model. So basically you have to have detox. Well, first of all, you have to have, you have to be willing. Right. So meaning <laughs> the, the owner of the dog has to be willing to change. Mm hmm. And they have to admit they have a problem. Yeah. I still have a problem. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Brad then, saw it today. Oh, we still, she's, she's still a puppy. She turns so two good. in like two weeks. She's an adult. <laughs> um, she acts like a puppy. Yeah. So, so first detox, then, then the rehab part, but the rehab part, you have to understand what the underlying issue, is, the root cause of the addiction to begin with. Like, mm-hmm. What are we trying to numb? What are we trying to cover? What are we trying to get away from? What's driving? What trauma do we have that's driving the use mm-hmm. of the substance, right? Once we understand that, then that's the psychology. Like we're going to a therapist, right, to deal with it. And then we're also dealing with the physical patterns and your brain's physical patterns of, I need this now. Right. Right. And so there's two components to it. Then once that happens and you go home, the entire environment has to change. You can't keep going to the same places with the same people and the people around you have to change. Right. They can no longer enable. They have to be supportive. Right. So for example, Liza, who's here five days out of the week and is around Reese's all the time. I included her in a lot of our training sessions. She came to different times that you came to the house just so she would be aware of all of the things that I was learning. So she could also learn and help me while she was here. Like if I have to run an errand, I know that she's going to be able to kind of do the same Follow thing through. Yeah. 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 It takes a village to raise a kid. Right. Is that the same? same yeah, yeah. It's the same. It takes a village to raise a dog too. And everyone around you has to understand, you know, how dogs work. This is why, so the whole business really is human education mm-hmm. and it's not really about the dog. No, <laughs> I mean, the dog has to be reset for right. sure. Cause they do have p- back to the human addiction rehab model. Like the dog does have physical patterns that we need change right. or, uh, we need to help them, you know, shed the fear, the anxiety, the aggression mm-hmm. and, and just rebalance them. And then it's up to the human after that to do their job. Right. <laughs> I was explaining the ecosystem to your listeners so that right. they would understand why is there a membership if all I do is train dogs? Right. Well, well, there's a membership because we also have boarding. We have overnight daycare. We have the spa, which is about to reopen, by the wait. way. Yep. Um, Into that. We have Thursday night. I need group. help with teeth brushing. Oh, oh we can do that. <laughs> We have group classes. We have, uh, oh, we're launching an, an e-course that our members are going to get access to. to. Yeah. Going to do like live Q and A's. Are stuff you like still that. doing virtual training as well? Like consults and stuff I or am. is that okay? Yeah. I'm doing virtual consults, um, but I'm working really hard right now on the, the e-course content. Okay, great. So is yeah. that something that people who don't live here could pay for? Yes. Okay. That's the idea is okay. you, you pay for the e-course. We're going to continue to add modules. You can buy one module at a time. If you want, you can do uh, like a subscription model. If you want, if you do the subscription model, then I'm going to like every week have a live Q and a and just try to That's like awesome. answer people's people. questions. Yeah. yeah. yeah totally. That's so cool. So 
because that's kind of more my focus now, yeah. we had to reduce the on-premise services, meaning I had to reduce you, the number of dogs that were coming to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but so you that's have several why the trainers too. So I do. on your I do. staff, on your team. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> but still, Dallas has, the Dallas location has- Like how many dogs volume. would you say you have at all of your locations at any given time? Well, last year was out of control, which is why I got burned out and said yeah. enough. Like yeah. we're doing the membership model and I'm doing digital content. Okay. Like that's going to be my focus. Yeah. Um, so last year, any given time, I mean, it could be anywhere between like 30 and 40. But if you think about the fact that- And like, that's in addition to boot camps, like- Dogs or no? No, that would include them. Okay. I only train five dogs at a time. Okay. Like Mari in Rockwall only has two at a time. Okay. And doesn't really do a ton of boarding. It's it's all pretty much the training. training part. Yeah. Yeah. And then she also runs our online store. Okay. She's a head of product development. Very, very good. She's amazing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she, she, uh, she has her own product company too, but, um, and then Robbie in Fort Worth, he, he'll have like between, I don't know, eight, six and 10 somewhere. Yeah. And then the so rest he does, of, he does do boarding. He does training. Okay. He does, he does a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Not like a huge, not in it's your o- level. Of it's facility, honestly but. overflow. Oh, okay. So yeah. whenever you have too many at the Dallas location, it it'll go there. Okay. Yeah. Um, so last year though, in Dallas, I mean, we were like 20 to 30 dogs every day and it just beat me. Yeah. It just beat. I mean, because you got to remember these dogs aren't the dogs that go to daycare and actually get to go there every day and stay, they really don't have that many social issues. Yeah. The dogs that get kicked out of daycare go to Bevel. Okay. So I've got 30 dogs that are kind of like, you know, have issues. Yeah. Thus my hands. Yeah. So having 30 dogs with issues is a lot. Okay. It's a lot. And it takes it out of you. Because it's not like you can just automatically have them all out at once in your backyard. It's no, you have to introduce you have to them strategic. slowly That's and right. all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. So, so you don't just open crates and go, all just right, guys, free let's, for all. let's party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's not what we do. So it really took its toll on me. It took it. it, it yeah. There's a lot of stuff that happened, but um, yeah, the shift is just going to be more, it's going to be focused on human education. So workshops, I've done some corporate speaking gigs, um, working with an NFL team right now on cool. flying out to them and like doing some stuff uh, with the team. Okay. Um, talking to an NBA team to do the same thing. So it's it's just moving more towards like leadership training, mm-hmm. um, educating you know owners about dog psychology, the digital content, but just anything where I can teach, but not have a dog in my hands. Okay, I get that. <laughs> and then the last thing I'll <laughs> say on that is. If I, if all I do is train five dogs at a time, I'm not going to make a big impact on the world. Right. I have to get spreading the information out. I have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Sort of the multiplier effect. Totally. Um, so what would you say are some of the more frustrating aspects of running the business you do? I mean, by far the single most frustrating aspect. The humans? Yeah. (laughs) By far. I'm not surprised. By far. Um, yeah. And it's like, a lot of people I love and I like, and I'll double down on that point right there. I do this cause I love people. Mm-hmm. It's I love dogs too. But like, if you're a person and no offense, if there's a dog trainer listening who got in this business because you said, I just love dog. I can't, I don't like people. I can't have a normal job. You're this in the wrong like cli- business. It's like client management. Totally. What you're doing. So now you can, you can be that trainer and be behind the scenes working for someone like me who loves people. Right. But you, you should just have to have a team member who handles that's all right. of that yeah. interaction. You have to have a team member. Or you need to work for someone else. But I love, love, love people. 
Um, but no doubt the human psychology part is the hardest because the dogs never lie. They don't hide things. They're very instinctual. Just they respond based on mother nature's laws. There are no bad dogs. They no. became a certain way because of how they were treated or right. taught or well, whatever. The, there are neurological cases right. that are miswired, but I still blame the human because the human bred them. Right. So it's always the human, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. We're but still to blame. That's right. Well, we made these things. Yeah. I mean, that thing couldn't live in nature. I'm pointing at Reese's. <laughs> My French bulldog. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that actually is a, I'm going to jump ahead to a random question because we're on the topic of breeds. And I thought this was a good question. One I actually thought of also, let's see if I can find it. I've got a Google doc. You've worked with all kinds of dog breeds, purebred and mutts alike. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there are great things about each breed for sure. And you know, negatives to certain breeds, but what have been the easiest and smartest for you to work with and train? And I know that train isn't the word you like to use, but um, like, are there, I know that certain dogs can be smarter than others. Reese's is one of the more stubborn of the breed. She's committed. She's committed. That's right. Um, Um, Every time I get asked this question, usually it's phrased, what's your favorite breed? And oh. I, I say calm one. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't care. What yeah. the bre- and I've seen, it's really, I mean, yes, there's some generalizations you can make. Like I've never had a German shepherd come in that wasn't a little bit uh, timid and nervous mm-hmm. and anxious. Um, I've never had a GSP come in that wasn't a little bit hyper, Yeah. but the it's kind of unfair to generalize in that way, in the sense that like the GSP that came in hyper, that dog hasn't hunted once in its life right. and it lives in a That's condo. That's what it's built for. Right. So right. it's kind of not fair to even judge that right. in my opinion. It's like, if you're getting a GSP, how many times a year are you going bird hunting? Right. Okay. But simple, simple terms. I'm just going to use this example. And I know you would say this is not, this does not mean the dog is smart, but I was in victory park I want to say last summer and I went into this coffee shop and the coffee shop owner had, it looked like some kind of German shepherd mix, huge dog did literally everything she asked him to do mm-hmm. literally tricks. I've never seen like humans do. Like That's it, was, awesome. it was wild. I and I was like, that it. is a smart dog. Like what kind of dog is that? And it was a mutt, but I just, yeah. are there any specific breeds that are like really smart? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, again, generally speaking, you know, border collies, poodles, Shep, German shepherds. I mean, all those dogs, you know, score high on like the IQ test, Okay, but I've seen not so smart in all three breeds. Okay. So it's, it just goes back <laughs> just to like the, humans. Yeah, yeah. totally. It okay. goes back to the individual dog. I mean, I've seen incredibly smart Frenchies and I've seen some that were just like, what day is it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They look look, just like their eyes look just like what's going on. (laughs) But the thing is, is like the the truth is uh, the smarter your dog is, the more challenging they are. Because they know what they want and yeah, yeah, they might be more domineering or whatever. No, because they, they need more mental stimulation. Oh, okay. Yeah. And if you don't give it to them, then what they do is they start creating their own jobs or they start just like pattern building and just like studying things. And then it turns into like neurotic behaviors. They get frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of like a medium intellect dog. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Where would you say, and I won't be offended. Where does Reese's fall on the scale? I, I love, I think medium, like she's for me, she's pretty smart. I mean, she'll, no, she is smart. She's just like, but she's not, she'll fight me on stuff, but, but she'll, 
she's she knows what she knows what I'm asking her to oh, do for and sure. all of that. But that's why I was saying I think she's medium because all the stuff that you would want a pet dog to do, she totally knows. Totally does that. But yeah. she's not gonna do the like the dog you described or no. like the border collie. It's she just does like, tell know, me what to do. She knows how to shake and roll over. Aww, I taught her that. <laughs> you don't care about that. But <laughs> Little butterball just <laughs> Yes. She loves she loves a, a belly rub. Um okay, so uh, another question that I got a lot when I first got her, and this was actually something I wish I would have asked or if I had known, I mean, I feel like I did know about you and that's why I got the consult. Cause I think I got the consult, consult with you like in June and I got her in May. So I feel like, okay. or at the end of April. And so I feel like it was pretty soon, but one of the biggest challenges I had when getting Reese's is what should I do in that in-between time when yeah. you first get the dog and like when they're old enough to actually start going to a boot camp or something yeah. like that. Like there's a period of about like four to five months because yeah. she has to be fixed and everything. Yeah. And I wanted to start her on basic training, but I didn't want to mess things up before sending her off. But like sure. I was having so much trouble communicating yeah. what I wanted and yeah. I didn't know how to communicate with her. So, yeah. and I feel like that was a lot of the questions I got was what do you do right when you get a dog? Like, what would you recommend? Yeah. Well, Puppies are not, but like still. If, if some, I mean, if it's like for the general audience, if it's for someone who's coming to me, I mean, what most people do is a consult first. And then we just kind of give them the basics so they can at least start to make like with leash training, leash and training, kind of the crate, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. But there's so much good information on the internet that you can get for free. And I'm, I mean, look, you can go to my bio and at the end of it, there's a bunch of trainers listed that have good info. You don't have to get it from me if you don't want, yeah. but we do have a learn section on the website and it has like dog behavior 101 as a bunch of blogs about, you know, dog behavior in general and, um, some tips and tricks. There's like, I don't know, a hundred something training tip videos. There's so much content that's free. Okay. Um, it would be a good place to start. That's great. The thing is that because we've already created a certain type of relationship with our dog and we've already created a bunch of patterns or routines at home with our dog for you with very little knowledge to be the one to change that. It's, it's going to be it's a difficult. challenge. Yeah. Okay. And it, that's why like what we teach is so hard and it's a lot easier if you're already a horse person, you already, if you've been riding horses your whole life, you already understand all these basic concepts that we teach. So the horse people that come to me, they could read that content and go, Oh my God, this, this makes just so like horses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you don't have that, that animal background and you don't have those natural instincts and you've been reading a bunch of the garbage online already, it's going to be difficult. Right. Well, I'm glad to know because I feel like maybe when I got her, I know that you were working on your learning section, but I don't think that was fully there. on no. the website. Yeah. That would have been really helpful I for know, me. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think there is so much information on the internet. Everyone's telling you something different and full disclosure before I was able to get you to come in for a consult, I got somebody else to come. Yeah. Didn't love what he tried to do. It, okay. I mean, it was effective while he was there, but yeah. the stuff, the stuff he like tried to get me to do, I like, didn't love it. It was like, he just seemed scary. That really just okay, was the, gotcha. I didn't love that. More but like intimidation type yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody go check out Bevel Dog Behavior. It's beveldogbehavior.com, right? Yep. Okay. So head there if you're about to get a dog or thinking about getting a dog, head yeah. there for information, wealth of information there. And then when the e-course launches, that is to me, I mean, that that is the gap filler because we're, we book 
10 months out. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, what do I do for 10 months? Now, if we, if it's an aggression case or something like that, we do have, we always have a slot open for, for like, consults and that kind of thing for consults, even, even board and train. Like okay. we always, we try to leave a slot open for severe cases where right. the owner's like, look, I'm gonna have to put the dog down. Yeah. You know, if it's that bad and then I do an eval and I'm like, yep, it's that you gotta bad. You got to work on this. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then we save a spot. But if it's your normal pet that just has some issues, that 10 month wait can be long. Yeah. So I think the e-course long-term is the answer. It's just not up yet. Okay. <laughs> okay. So another question, there's a lot of information, like we just said on the internet and yeah. opinions on how to raise dogs and how to train a dog. For example, to create train or not to create train. I got right. a lot of shit when I yeah. have posted about her having a crate. People feel very strongly one way or the other about it. And um, I'd love for you to share your take as an expert who has worked with all kinds of dogs for years, Yes. what your thoughts are on crate training? Well, the first thing is, and this is purely from a, just a very practical point. You can't take your dog to the vet. You can't take your dog to the groomer. You can't take your dog to a boarding place if they don't know how to be confined, period. They're going to be anxious, upset. Yeah. And that is to me, incredibly unfair as a dog parent to not give your dog life skills needed to literally do stuff you know you're going to have to have them do. They're yeah. going to go to the vet, they're going to go to the groomer, and they're going to have to board at some point. So not giving them a life skill to rest in a crate is to Cruel. me. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're a mess whenever they have to be in there. The other thing is if we're doing our job as dog parents, does it really matter if they're resting in the crate or resting on the bed other than all our no crate people? They think it's a jail. That's basically, I think it's, they yeah, think, but, what, but I'm getting to another practical okay. point called safety. I can't right. tell you how many dogs I know have eaten something that got lodged and the dog passed away. And it was because the person was anti-crate. And it's like, I don't know what to tell you. If you, I would never leave my four-year-old son in my house unattended right? ever. He's going to hurt himself. So why would we do that with a dog? Babies. Where do babies sleep? In a crib. Weird. <laughs> it's got bars on it so they can't yeah. get out. It's a jail. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So cruel, you know? And yeah. so I don't know. I mean, the, it, the last point I'll make it really for me makes the most sense, which is this is a canid canids are den animals. I don't care what you say about how, how much they've been domesticated. They still have that, that instinct. genetic need and that instinct. I have so many no crate people, their dog, they're like, yeah, no, we don't need a crate. He curls up in the corner like between the couch and the wall in this corner. And I'm like, in a corner, he's literally he's trying making to find a, crate. a place. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, give them a safe space. That's yeah. calm where they can rest. The, the reason most people get turned off by crates is because they're putting an anxious, excited brain in a crate and they're having to force it. And they hear the whining and they're like, why? But because they yeah. trapped an anxious brain. Right. They're not relaxing the dog. Right. They're not uh, stimulating the dog. Exercising. See, this is, this is one of the things. So I asked you guys to submit a bunch of questions for Brad. This is a great time to bring it up actually, because the key to answering most of the questions I received for this is to have a calm dog. The dog needs to be stimulated and the way to stimulate fulfilled. them. Fulfilled. Fulfilled. Exercise and that's yep. like, that's the key to a lot of the stuff that y'all are asking. So like yes. getting them to relax when people come over and yes. um, how to get them acquainted with their crate better if they're relaxed. So that's sorry, right. you take it away. I'm just yeah. like on my yeah, own yeah, soapbox that, over no, here. But that, yeah, that topic, I was, I was actually going to say that when I came in, I forgot a lot of these questions can be answered at once. Once. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fulfillment is the key. 
body, mind, and heart. If you fulfill body, mind, and heart, then your dog is going to be calm, listen to you, be able to be created, walk nicely on a leash, greet people, you know, nicely, whatever. Um, the key, the, the thing is to understand is like, what does that mean? What is body, mind, heart? And what does bo- fulfillment mean? Body obviously is exercise, but not always uh, bouncing off the walls exercise. Like we also have to do martial arts. We can't just do Chuck E. Cheese all the time. Right. Chuck E. Cheese Structured or walks, Vegas for example. is just overstimulates the brain. Well, I take my dog to daycare. Cool. So they practice excitement for eight hours a day. (laughs) So they're getting really good at it. Yeah. They're not practicing calmness at daycare. Right. Well, but he comes home tired. Yes. He's exhausted, exhausted, (laughs) but he still learned how to be excited all day. Right. So you're working against yourself. Um, and I'm not anti-daycare, by the way, (laughs) upset anyone. Um, but that can work against you. Right. So the body part has to include fun, like fetch, tug, whatever. It has to include um, like play with other dogs or with their owner, but it also has to include martial arts. It has to include structured walk. Of course, we use treadmills a lot. Um, you can do even uh, bike. Um, I use my little mini motorcycle because the, I'm dictating the speed, the the distance, the direction, right? So I'm kind of like put rules in place. But you know what's so wild to me? And like, even my sister, I'm going to throw her under the bus right now. She rarely walks her dogs and then is surprised when her dogs are like bouncing off the walls in her house. And it's like, you could have walked them. They just like sit, they sit outside a lot of the time because she's got this big dog run. It's really beautiful and like, you know, all that stuff. But then like, I walk Reese's twice a day or put her on the treadmill and then she's like pooped and we'll just like lay in her bed. Like she's doing yeah. it right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Totally. That's great. It is. And it needs to be led by the human because those activities are important. And so look, many people don't walk their dogs. Dogs though. in the wild. Most of my friends that have dogs oh, don't walk their dogs. Trust me. <laughs> like, so, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm doing a great job. <laughs> you are, you are. But that's one of the reasons we booked 10 months out. Right. No one t- exercises their dog. Yeah. And I'll give you a good example of like, how do you take an activity that can be structured or not structured? Uh, swimming. So if you, if you allow your lab or your, your golden retriever or whatever to just like be psycho running around the yard, jump in the pool, swim around, you throw the ball, jump in the pool, get it, swim around, run around, or you can get in the pool with them with a leash and guide them how they swim and do different like patterns, do figure eights, do circles, do squares, whatever, but you're guiding how they're it's more structured. enjoying that activity. But here's the cool part. <laughs> they're now attaching you to their favorite thing to do, but you're teaching them how to do it in a calm manner. So you can also keep them out of the water if you don't want a wet dog in your house. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but most people with pools, oh, my dog just loves to swim, but it's like, Chuck E. Cheese version, yeah, you know, it's like daycare. Yeah. yeah and it, and you can do both, but I'm just saying you have to be able to have the structured part too. Gotcha. And it also wears your dog out so much more. I mean, I can, y'all, I can tell when I had COVID, I, I think there were a couple of days I didn't walk her mm-hmm. because I just like, didn't feel like sitting in my office and putting her on the treadmill. didn't feel like going outside. Yep. She was bouncing off the walls <laughs> and I would, I, I was getting so creative. I was trying different toys. I was just like, I couldn't take her out. And I can even tell if I've only taken her on one walk a day, like that right. makes a big difference. I mean, sure. she's got a lot of energy and this may not be the, the case for every single breed or every, obviously totally. older dogs don't need as much exercise or whatever, right. yeah. but I can tell very clearly when she has not been on a walk. So, so (laughs) So. so imagine having 20 dogs in one space. None of them exercise. Yeah. And how that energy like feeds off each other, Mm -hmm. you know, that's why dog parks are dangerous. Yeah. 
And I, I don't, well, I take her to Mutt's occasionally, but like, I don't take her to like the free dog yeah. parks. Cause I'm, they're I, always huge dogs. And I'm never sure how they're going to treat her. Cause she's always up in everyone's face. Most so. people that go, that is the dog's excitement like, vent, and they vent energy there, yeah. you know? And so it's like, they've been cooped up all week and then they take this. She let it run around. Yeah. Yeah. I avoid them. Yeah. Well, it's just, you don't know where the dog's been. You don't know what kind of training the dog's had. If it's aggressive, there's sure there are signs, but it's not like there's a law that says you can't take your dog if it bites. Well, so. I would feel comfortable. The problem is, is that the humans are there. The, the other dog hunter, like I would be f- fine probably in any dog park. Because if I could they're get, like oh, territorial. No, maybe, cause you, cause you can't do anything. You can't say no to their dog. Oh, to another so, person's dog. Yeah. So if a okay. pit bull is coming up to my chihuahua, oh my God, I would, I can't I would literally die. <laughs> if I did something, the owner would come over and tell me I was an idiot An like asshole. how good his dog is, yeah. and, you know, whatever. I actually saw that happen at Mutt's one time and I was thankful that she's in the small dog pen because there was a little bit of aggression going in and out of the the gate. And I was like, Ooh, man, I'm glad I'm not that man. <laughs> like, but, the guy was being such an asshole about it. And he was like, he's just, he just needs to relax. Like as we go and it's like, maybe you shouldn't bring your dog here. If your dog is going to react this way, Totally. but all right. All right. Let's get back to some questions. Can I train my dog to be a good travel dog? You actually helped me with this. So, uh, my dog is obedient and excellent in regards to not barking at other distractions. He's kind and friendly and has great in his crate. Um, he's gone shopping with us into the Apple store and he does great. However, he struggles with us not being in the same room in a different place. Like when Mm -hmm. we're in a different city, Mm -hmm. um, we've gone to visit relatives in different cities. And if we leave to go to dinner or run an errand, he's crying and howling in his crate, basically that. So how, how to train your dog to be a good travel dog. So they don't need a good travel dog. They need to deal with separation anxiety when the dog's not in its normal daily routines. So it's not a, it's not a travel issue. It's a, it's a separation anxiety issue. So the, the way I, it's uh, unfamiliar. They like, well, it, but it need, it can be familiar. The problem right. is, is they're, they haven't practiced. They're allowing <laughs> the environment uh, to have too much power. So if you at home, if you can recreate life on the road or at a friend's house, the same, the same way you put do them in the home, office versus the laundry room. No. No, too tactical. I'm conceptual right okay. now. You're getting okay. too, Sorry. you're getting too, too contextual. Don't listen to me all. <laughs> so conceptually think about this. So I take all four of my dogs on road trips, wherever I go, nothing changes for them, except it's like different walls. Right. Why would the walls create this? They're not. It's that we don't have enough, um, consistency from, um, essentially like a leadership perspective because they should be relying more on the owner and what the owner is asking and what the owner is doing than the environment. Okay. And so what I would do and what I do do whenever I take my dogs to new places is I take their crates, I feed them the same way. I walk them the same way every day, you know, like everything fulfill is, them before putting them in the crate. Everything's yeah. the same. It's just four different four walls. I, um, I also don't let a dog into a new environment off leash and just go, okay, like explore, enjoy, get all excited and anxious and weird because this is a new place. No one's guiding you through it. And then put them in a crate and be like, I don't know why they're whining. Well, because no one's in control and they're in an environment they don't, they've never seen before. Right. So when the human, like first you get to a new place, go for a walk right away. Like put the leash on, go for a walk, let them check out the neighborhood and not from a, exploration state of mind, but just with you leading them like a a migration state, 
right? Go for the walk. They're traveling. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So then they're like, okay, new place. Then when you bring them into the home, everything is slow. They're still leashed. And we immediately like put them in a bed and they have to chill. Mm -hmm. They don't get to just run around the house. Right. It also helps if the family doesn't go, oh my God, Reese's is here. (laughs) And then you're like, oh man, we have a dinner reservation. Like let's put Reese's up. And then she starts whining. So to me, it's more about, hopefully this makes sense conceptually, but it's like the only thing that my dog should count on is that I'm the same everywhere. Period. Yeah. I'm the same everywhere. I do it the same way every time. And I'm not talking about routine. I'm not talking about timing. That's, you know, or, okay, we always do this and then we do this and then we do it. And then I put these shoes on and then I get my keys and that, not that I'm talking about like from a leadership, a fulfillment perspective, a rules perspective, uh, what I expect from the brain in terms of like arousal, mm-hmm. it's always the same. Right. So every time they go in the crate, it's the same. Does it make sense? Yeah. Just okay. making it a habit just for the dog. For the dog. Yeah. yeah but the only habit I want them to have is, is le- lean on dad. Yeah. What does dad want? What does dad want? I feel safe. There's order here. He didn't just like throw me into the wild. Right. Yeah. There's order. This would be a good time to talk about this. Okay. And this actually answers this question and a bunch of others. Order is number one. The thing that allows us to drive through red lights or sorry, drive through (laughs) green lights without ever thinking about it is because we trust the order that the government has set up. Green, yellow, red. Yeah. Yep. And we trust that most humans aren't going to want to hurt other humans intentionally. Right. So we stop at red lights. We go through green lights. Yeah. That order creates safety, Mm -hmm. which is why we don't even think twice about jumping in our car and going somewhere because we actually feel safe on the road. So we Mm -hmm. have order and then safety. Safety is what creates comfort. So my guess would be in this, in this example, the question, there's no comfort because order and safety are missing and order and safety are missing in this new environment because the dog doesn't have enough reps in that new environment to know that, that they are safe. Right. Whereas at home they do. Yeah. And so even if this person says, well, I'm doing the same things, you know, on the road. Well, yeah, but your dog doesn't have years of living in the environment to go, okay, I kind of have figured out how everything works. Yeah. It's still the same as it is at my house. Right. It still feels the same. Yeah. Order safety creates comfort. Comfort creates the ability to see opportunity and then see an opportunity allows you to, 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 um, pursue happiness. So everyone wants their dog happy, but you got to have order first, safety second, then comfort. And the ability to see opportunity is like my ability to see there was a need for dog behavior in Dallas. If I was just trying to survive, I would have never seen that, that, that opportunity, but I wasn't trying to survive because I had order, safety and comfort. Right. So my brain can now become creative. Yeah. Now I'm pursuing my happiness. Well, and you mentioned this to me when you were kind of giving me some good tips on how to travel with Reese's because I, because she is, she's got a lot of energy. Yes. I know I have to exercise her and I do all of that. I still worry that, you know, she's going to freak out when we go to a restaurant or something. And Mm -hmm. you were saying you don't want your dog to only feel like she's great in the house or she's great with at Bevel. She's great. But in certain environments, she's not used to being there. And so you right. want, you want to open the world up to your dog. You don't want them to only be comfortable in your house or wherever they spend a lot of time. 
they should be able to go everywhere with you. Like right. you want to, what well, I can't remember exactly what you said, but you basically were I like, think I said, open up their world. You want yeah, the world to be as world. big as possible, Yeah, but you can't do it all at once. So a lot of people will say, uh, I've been socializing my dog since she was 12 weeks old and she's just scared of everything. Well, you socialized her in a fear, fearful state. So she got better and better and better at being scared. Like yep. just taking your dog out is not the answer. Taking them out and exposing them to things in, calm, in the right way is yeah, the answer. In a yeah. calm affect or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't live in Dallas, so I don't have the opportunity to take my dog to Bevel, but wanted to see if Brad had thoughts on what to look for when taking your dog to be boarded somewhere or even for daycare. Mm, that's a good question. Before I answer it, she is passing gas. Oh, <laughs> well, reason, can you smell it? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, welcome to the, <laughs> welcome to the club because Liza and I are constantly laughing and smelling. She cropped us us to like walk under our oh chairs. My God, I love she's, it. she's stinky. <laughs> um, okay. So to answer the question, what should I look for in a boarding or daycare facility? Right. You know, f- for me, if you're following my philosophy, I would look, I would walk in and listen our dogs barking like crazy red flag to me. Like, I mean, you've been to our place and yeah. you don't hear dogs. Very bark. quiet. Yeah. yeah. Cause they're fulfilled. They're calm. You know, they socialize politely. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't mean we don't allow them to play. Of course. I mean, you saw her and Lola, right? Mm-hmm. Just like getting after it. Yeah. So we let them play, but we also have rules about play. Or ginger too. Isn't ginger. Oh, ginger. The, yeah. Yeah. Ginger <laughs> they love each other. Love each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would listen. Mm-hmm. And if I heard, like howling or yeah, whatever, like yeah. especially like that, that, uh, 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 like the yeah. anxious sounding, like for me, I'm out. Use your nose smell. Mm-hmm. Does it smell clean? If it, if it smells like overpowering air freshener or like too much bleach, I, to me, that's a bad sign. It mm-hmm. means, you know, I don't know how clean this place is. Um, observe the people. How old are they? Is it, 20, well run, 20, yeah. 21 year olds that are going to be handling your dog. Yeah. Or like, are there some professionals there? Do they do training too? Like, is there a behaviorist on staff? Is it just for fun or is it? Right. Yeah. yeah. And then also how many, how many dogs do they allow? Look at numbers. Cause if it's just a factory, they may allow a lot of dogs, which, you know, the more, you know, about pressure, mm-hmm. the more pressure builds, the more likely something is to go wrong. Right. You know? Um, so those are all things that, that I look for when I'm going in and there's some daycares here in Dallas that I really, really like. And I, you know, I'm friends with the owners, but I mean, they take me in and show me the f- entire facility. It's beautiful. It's clean. Mm-hmm. Dogs are well taken care of. They're smart about numbers. They only allow 20 dogs out at a time and the yards are big enough. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they were, they did a really good job kind of putting it together. And right. that, that's the kind of stuff I would look for. Ask for a tour. Okay. And if they won't take you back, don't go there. No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I also got a lot of questions about just leash training tips. So like this one in particular says, what's the best way to train an older dog who's terrible on a leash? Age doesn't matter. Okay. Um, first thing, uh, it's such a tough one to answer without like having to go through the whole explaining how animals communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. But the main thing I can tell you is this. A leash is a communication tool, not a restraint tool, which we, I just told yes, you that. Yes, at the door. yes. Um, leash is a communication tool, not a restraint tool. So if you think about a horse, the reins are not to restrain the horse. It's to turn them. It's and to turn to, them. That's yeah. right. So if I Slow down pull on the right reins, the horse starts going to the right. If I never let go of that pressure, they're going to keep, they're going to just spin. Yeah. Right. Cause they're, they're essentially uh, being guided by that pressure. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we, we, 
pull the right reins, the horse goes right. And when, when they're where we want them, we let go, we release, and then they go straight again. So right? would you say, and I know this is how you um, helped with Reese's, but a slip lead, mm-hmm. isn't that what you would recommend? I do recommend a slip. I mean, obviously if your dog has any like trachea issues or um, they're super tiny or whatever, I mean, I, I don't want anybody to hurt their dog. And if you don't, my best analogy is a spatula can be used to make a wonderful bowl of spaghetti or, <laughs> or you can beat your kids with it. Yeah. Like any tool can be used for Both good ways. or bad, yeah, right. any tool. Yeah. So the reason I like slip leads is because they are a better communication tool than like a flat collar. Right. Um, because you, you know, you can, and also it disperses the pressure around the whole neck instead mm-hmm. of just stuck the on, underneath. The, on the trachea. Right. A lot of dogs have um, nothing major, but they, a lot of them have some trachea damage just because people use flat collars and the dog pulls and pulls and pulls and mm-hmm. pulls and the human has no way to communicate what they want. Right. Because a well, dog with the will, slip lead, it's yeah. It, well, it disperses the pressure. We put it all the way at the top of the neck, like right behind the ears to keep it off the trachea, but also to keep it closer to the nose mm-hmm. as a closer to the nose you get of an animal, the more you can control them. So you, if you can walk a 1200 pound, you know, horse, on a lead, you can do it with a, you can do it with a dog. dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the way we do it with a horse is by the nose. Yeah. Right. So the closer we get to the nose, the more control we have. And, um, Bevel sells leashes Slip leads, by yes. the way. And yeah. another question that's related, the raised beds, I always get questions about those. Yeah. Why do you use a raised bed? <laughs> good, good question. So today it's freezing. And so for Reese's to be in that nice fluffy, fluffy big, bed, furry it's bed, fine. it's fine. Yeah. But in Texas, when she comes back from a walk and you want her to rest, the last place I would put her is there because she's going to get out. Well, she's going to get out. Yeah. She's too hot. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you're like saying, no, what are you doing? Get back on your bed. And it's kind of unfair because she's not comfortable. Right. So the raised cots allow air to get underneath and the mat is more perforated. Ventilation. Yes. Yeah. It's perforated. So then the dogs are more comfortable. Okay. That's the first thing. Second thing is it's just a better tool for teaching to be in a place. Um, you know, when they go to the groomers, they get raised. Mm -hmm. And yes, part of that is for the groomers benefit. But when animals are raised, they have fewer options. And so their brain settles a little faster. So just having that little bit of of raised bed, it actually makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Like it's way easier to teach a downstay on a cot or a raised bed than on the ground. Well, I also, and I say go to your spot, Teresa's all the time and she knows what it means. Like Mm -hmm. she knows how to go, but I think it's not as easy with that. I think she's so used to, yeah, using the cot. There's something about it. It's like her own chair. It's like having a chair, whereas that's just like a pillow she's laying on. And she's still on the ground. And so sometimes in their mind, it's like, what's the difference between here and and here? Right. Right. Cause it's just, it's the same rug level. Yeah. But when you, there's something about the brain switches whenever you put them on on a raised Mm -hmm. surface. It's funny too. She'll, and you probably won't like this, but (laughs) she, when she wants to get water, she now uh, will, I'm telling you too much. You're going to get mad at me. (laughs) She will kind of get up and like paw at it to let me know that she wants to get off and get water and she'll want, but she won't get off, but she'll like, let me know that she wants to get water. And she would never do that in that. But she on the raised, yeah, she would just get yeah. up, but on the raised bed, she's, she's like, I know, permission. I know that I'm not supposed to get off of this until she says I can so get off So what do you do in that, in that situation? What do you do? I tell her no, and I make her lay back down. Perfect. <laughs> then once she does that, yeah. then you take her to the water. Once she's calm again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is kind of funny though. 
I know it's not supposed it, to be, but it's, it's kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she's now in the last like six months, she, she does like the one hand paw when oh. she wants to get my attention. It's so cute. Okay. Um, okay. So all of these questions are kind of the same. Like, do you have any suggestions for getting my dog to not jump on people? How to get my dog to stop chasing my kids? Mm. Like, what are your thoughts? They're ex- the dogs are excited. Yeah. They don't have anything else to do. And you don't have any clean reps of them not doing that. So like you, to teach anything, you have to break it down, right? Gotta so practice. it's like, for, for, let's just take the kid chasing thing. If I did a consult for them and they, this was like the big thing they wanted, I'd say, okay, cool. I'll see you in a little bit. And I'd take their dog for a walk. I'd condition the figure eight because that's so mentally draining. Mm-hmm. I would teach that dog that I can provide like the, the work that they really want, like a migration, um, with giving them direction and, and, um, praising them whenever they're, they're with me and Mm -hmm. making that eye contact and, you know, wanting to work with me, then I would, uh, teach them place very quickly, exhausted, Mm -hmm. exhausted mind, exhausted body is going to lay there. Now I have him in place. He knows who to look at me. He's fulfilled. All right, bring the kids in. They would run around, he would lay there and they would go, Oh my God, how'd you do that? He's just, tired and chill. Well, and I created order Yeah, and I created safety and I created rules and I created leadership and I created boundaries. Right. So he knows that his job is to lay on the cot. I taught that. So go kids. (laughs) It's super simple. Well, this, this is one of the, one of my favorite things when Reese's was at Bevel for her boot camp is y'all share videos Mm -hmm. of the actual training process. So Robbie, for example, does this thing, I think it's with his kid or, and he'll ring the doorbell and like make a lot of racket at the front door. And the dogs will like all kind of look like the first few times they're like kind of, Oh, I really want to go see what's going on. But by the end of it, they're all just like calm and relaxed. And I'm like, how does this happen? Yeah, because he did. He does exactly. It's what a lot I, of practicing. It, yeah. It's a lot of practicing, and it's a lot of like get in front of it. So mm-hmm. I, I have this concept called twenty three fifty nine fifty nine, and it's that the twenty three hours fifty nine minutes and fifty nine seconds before the dog did the thing is your problem. So don't wait till the thing to try to do something. So just what, like don't wait until the flight to try putting your dog in a pet carrier. Like I took right. Reese's to North Park, which I found out you're not allowed to do actually, but I did. And we, we like Neiman Marcus is dog friendly. Neiman Marcus is, but North yeah. Park is not. No, no, I, did not I told that. you go to Neiman Marcus. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> we walked around Neiman, or North Park too. And they were like, not into it, but funny. we, we got enough time in there, but I took her a bunch of places in the in the little dog crate, I've put her in the car and driven her around. I've made her just sit in it in the office occasionally, just so she doesn't forget what it's like to be in there. And she did a great job on the flight, but we were practicing that for like two months. Like it took a while for her to get relaxed. You did the work up front. So if you hadn't done any of that and you you took her to the airport and you're like, Oh my God, Brad, what do I do? I'd be like, you're yeah. (laughs) Two two months too late. (laughs) (laughs) July 4th, July 4th is another one. What do I do for fireworks? Tomorrow's July 4th. Well, you had 364 days to practice. Right. And I guarantee you didn't play any YouTube videos. I'm sure have that. Yeah. Put them on the treadmill. So their brain is working. Play fireworks sounds. See how they do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's about doing the, the work ahead of time. It's not my dog hasn't been walked today. My dog has no rules, boundaries, or limitations. I haven't done any mental work with my dog. Also, my dog's a border collie and their job is to herd things. That and they are, don't get to do that. that. Are moving. Yeah. Yeah. And then my kids bust in the door 
and the dog's already pent up and he chases wanna, him. Yeah. It's like, of course he's going to chase him. He's right. not doing anything wrong. He's trying to hurt him. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. Let's see. Are you cool with a couple more questions? Yeah. Okay. Um, this is kind of relevant since I'm in my thirties. So I'm sure I have several listeners that no, have kids. You and look stuff. 22. Oh, you're so kind. <laughs> um, so this question is we have a dog that's one years old and we just had a baby. Did you have any, or do you have any tips for teaching a dog dog? I cannot talk teaching a dog to be gentle and kind of give space. Yes. So such a good question. I didn't even see that one. Yeah. Um, it's a long list of questions here. <laughs> the first, the first module in the e-course is how to introduce your, your baby, your new baby to your pack. That's great. But I did it in real time because okay. we had Annie yeah. in October. And so literally day zero, I started shooting and I showed the whole process. Mm -hmm. And then because we have Henry, who's a toddler, I kept it going. And I'm like, here's how Henry interacts with our dogs on a daily basis. He feeds, he walks, he potties, he does place before he ever plays, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, yes, that would be a wonderful, uh, I think resource for this person. Uh, it's a long, and is the, sorry, you may have said this earlier, but is the ebook or e-course, is that out already or is no, it will be out? It will be this year. Okay. Yeah. So for so that follow person, at Bevel dog behavior yeah, on Instagram, follow to us on Instagram. Stuff. And when that one launches, I get that question a lot and there's a lot of dog trainers that talk about it, but they're doing it just from a, here's what you do. They're not shooting it like in real time with right. their own kid and their pit bulls. And I, know. well, I'd like to see that. I don't have kids, but yeah, it'd be it's interesting cool. to see. Cause I do worry about her. Cause I have my, my God children. They're three now, but I don't want her to like knock them over or right. whatever. So Take food it's out a good question. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. I think you're going to laugh at this question. My four-year-old dog listens to others, but not me. How can <laughs> I establish myself as alpha? <laughs> so first thing I would say is you don't need to be alpha. No teacher needs to be alpha. They just need to be respected because alpha to me sends this sign of like dominance, which a lot dominance is, is taking Mm -hmm. something. And what we're looking for is, is like cooperation or, um, mutual levels of respect. Yeah. Mutual <laughs> level of respect connection, yeah. you know? Um, so I would first remove the word alpha and then, um, I would just say that you've created the relationship that you have with your, with the dog and so those, you've, those you've other not people, given her structure or rules or guidance. No respect. Yeah. She doesn't feel like she needs to come to you. Um, one great way to, to create a new relationship is to be the gatekeeper for all the things they want. So food, water, toys, space, time, toys, uh, affection and exploration, mm -hmm. food, water, space, time, toys, affection, exploration. Those are the top seven things a dog needs. So people ask me all the time, why don't we ever see toys on the floor? I don't give them to her until it's playtime. That's right. She doesn't have just access to all of her toys. Yeah. Because don't you want to be associated with something the fun? fun? Yeah. Otherwise you're, it's like, what do they need you for? Right. And which is why they don't and come you. And you don't just like put the food out and no. leave it out all day. You no, put it out at mealtimes. Associate it with me. It, yeah. Like I want Henry, my four-year-old to see me make his dinner and put it in front of him. Right. Cause then I'm associated some, to Mac and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Very good thing. Exciting. Yeah. yeah. So it's not a matter of like being, look, flip your, if you view some of this stuff as being like controlling, no, it's called being you know, in control or, or like I do like uppercase control, which is like, I'm going to control you. And then right. lowercase control, which is, um, I'm just going to like provide what you need at the right times in the right portions because you might make bad decisions. Right. Right. Like you're being a parent. Correct. Yeah. Tod toddlers make bad decisions. Therefore I control 
what Henry watches for how long, Mm -hmm. what he eats, when he eats it, who he hangs out with, what school he goes to, what activities he does. That's not being controlling. That's called parenting. Mm -hmm. Right. And if we'll do the same thing with our dogs, then this, this, uh, listener who asked this question, the dog will come to her because they need her. Mm-hmm. So that's my answer for a her. Similar question. Since you said, come to her, somebody else asked, I've been trying to teach my dog the word come and how to come to me yeah. when I say come and she's not doing it. So yeah. <laughs> any tips? Um, yeah. I mean, if you want to take like just purely, um, like an obedience approach to it, put put a leash on the dog, say the word once, kind of reel the dog in, you know, give them a treat, say that, let them go, say the word once, reel them in, give them a treat. And they'll eventually figure it out. Yeah. They'll start learning that when that sound happens, come, they get, if I go close to, to mom, boom. Yeah. If you want it to, and then you get the long line. So you still have the leash as if, if you, if you say come and they go the other way, that word starts to mean go the other way. Right. So at some point you have to get them to to actually come. Right. You can also uh, take advantage of like n- natural patterns they have. So if you're, if you notice that they, um, will go to the door at a certain time, then when they're going to do it, you go out there and while they're doing it, you say, come. So you're marking coming towards me, mean, you know, come mean, associating come towards it. Me. Yeah. Right. So like you, you can like either kind of do it through accidents when they're naturally coming towards mm-hmm. you, mark it, or you can use the leash and actually bring them towards you. Right. I probably should do that. She, but I feel like she would just stare at me. She'd be like, bitch, try. She, she's a, <laughs> yeah, she's a, she's a make me dog. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. I've got a couple more. Why is my dog aggressive towards other dogs on a leash, but submissive off leash? The, the reactivity on walks nine times out of 10 is insecurity and nervousness, and they don't feel safe being trapped with a human who's not in control mm-hmm. or a human who's not leading or a human who doesn't create order, safety, and comfort at home. You know, and the order and the safety part is what's missing from an insecure dog's life. And so you can't have a lack of order at home and then trap them on a leash and go put them in front of what they view as a, as a threat. Whether that's a dog or like an inflatable Halloween thing, because Reese's, she doesn't bark at anything, but she'll like, she'll kind of tense up. And I just, I put myself between her to show that I'm like, yeah, I got it. Not going to hurt you. Relax. (laughs) Yeah, we're cool. Yeah. Like if you'll switch your intentions from stop doing that to, Hey, I'm here. I got it. You're good. Yeah. Like I don't need your help right now. Um, that the intention part, which then feeds the energy part is huge. Mm -hmm. Um, even with my employees, sometimes I have to remind like, Hey, you're not trying to get the dog to stop doing something. You're trying to get them to connect to you Mm -hmm. and to feel safe with you. Which is so easy to just kind of act on assuming that it's like, no, stop doing that. Right. That's like, I feel like a human instinct is to be like, no. Yeah. (laughs) I I try not to use that word too much unless it's, it's something like a little bit more. She knows what a snap is because she was like, (laughs) because I use a snap when I'm trying to get get her to stop doing yeah, something. The, so. sna- the snap gets the attention. Yeah. Hey, gets the attention. Yeah. Ah, gets the attention. Yeah. But what I'm really saying is don't forget I'm here. Yeah. I'm ah, still watching. Yeah. Bring it down, <laughs> bring it down. But I'm not saying stop. No. Yeah. You know? So I think with the, with this, this, this instance, the, the dog needs to feel order safety at home before they ever go out. And then the physical position of the dog on the walk does dictate the job description mm-hmm. or the role. So if the dog's in front pulling, leading you, then they're going to th- be protector. Yeah. Cause yeah. they're exposed and you're mm-hmm. behind. It's like, um, 
most of our clients are female and, you know, families. And I always say to the wife and to the husband, like, Hey, have y'all had to sit down and have a conversation about who's going to be in front if someone kicks in your front door? And they're always like, no, like that's the the dude. That's the dude's job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nine times out of 10, it's the dude's job. Right. And so it's like, you're having this conversation with your dog all the time and really you should be the one that's going to protect them. Yeah. You know, so. Okay. One more question. Um, what games would you suggest playing with a puppy to keep them mentally engaged, stimulated, fulfilled Mm. aside from walks and just general play? Like, are there activities or certain things you could do? Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on, I I like to, when it comes to play, just find what the dog naturally loves. Yeah. So fetch or. Yeah. yeah. Or is it tug or is it wrestling or, you know, is it, is it swimming? I I mean, mean, I even read when I first got her that like tug of war is bad because it like, but you don't think that. No, I mean, I got, I have a pit bull that I play tug of war with all the time because she loves it. But the thing about that is the reason that that warning is out there is because if you don't know what you're doing, you're creating more, this is my fight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, but what I, what I showed Duke or what I demo to my clients with Duke is I can drop it on the ground and she won't touch it Mm -hmm. and she'll walk away from it. She, she doesn't view it as hers. And when the game's over, the game's over. It's not possessive. No, not at all. if If I just snap my fingers, she drops it and I have it in my hand still. I mean, it just seems like go. magic. Oh, it's no. <laughs> like if people, if y'all go to his page and watch the videos <laughs> and all of the things, you will be like, this is incredible. <laughs> Look, she took five years Yeah, and she made a bunch of mistakes during those five years. I mean, it took me five years and people want this in five days. Oh yeah. And, and they expect that after a five week course, the dog's going to be perfect. And yeah. I can tell you she's not. No. <laughs> so nope. we're, it's, we're always, she and I are works in progress. Well, look, my kid goes to school three days a week and he's not perfect. What's yeah. wrong with his teachers? Yeah. Why haven't they made him perfect yet? Yeah. You know, it's like, it, it doesn't make any sense in any other context. Yeah. It's just people want dogs to be robots and they're not. Well, Brad, do you have any other final words of advice for people listening or any other big news that's coming up for Bevel? Uh, no, I think the, I mean, the biggest news is the, the e-course. e-course. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I am going to start a podcast. Oh, so yay. I'll have you on. Oh, I would love that. And I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about the process because what you just said there at the end, I could talk about that for 30 minutes. Yeah. Just, you know, the challenges, um, in understanding, you know, what we do, if it doesn't come super instinctually to you or naturally to you, and then having a dog that has the word bull in it. You should also just, this is unsolicited advice, but you should have different personality types on there and how, because I'm like such a control freak and like, I'm, I'm probably the, I'm probably the worst and the best dog owner. Like I'm I'm the best in that. Like I follow the rules. I do what I'm supposed to do, but I'm also like, I don't give her too much freedom. And she probably like, I don't know. Anyway might be interesting to look at from that perspective, like type A versus type B people and how they manage their dogs. 100%. I got plenty of both (laughs) for sure. But yeah, that's the idea of the podcast is I want, I want clients on Yeah. because dog trainers get on podcasts and they just try to sound smart, but I like, I want to hear real life experiences, real life stuff. And mostly I want people who struggle. Yeah. I don't want people to go, Oh my God, it was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then uh, 
Who it's learns misrepresenting anything my from business. that? Well, the standards are too high. Right. But also like people, I feel like people like podcasts and people like to follow you, even if they, I'm sure you have people who follow you that don't have dogs. It's interesting. It's yeah. fascinating to hear the ups and downs. Uh, it's kind of, I know people are gonna be like, it's not like parenting, but it is. It's I mean, exactly it's, like parenting. Right. Thank you. I'll have that discussion anytime. <laughs> Thank you. But no, so the, the, e, the e-course, the podcast, and then we're, we're actually about to launch a little little mini clothing line, like our <gasps> first couple designs for dog lovers. Love for dog lovers or dogs? Both. Dog clothes? Both. Is Cameron Westcott involved? No, okay. not yet, <laughs> but she might be. Oh my gosh. That's um, so funny. Well, no, yeah. Dog clothes, human clothes. I hope the clothes fit her. She's a special shape. They, <laughs> they will. We, we got a potato size. And yeah. y'all don't forget to go to beveldogbehavior.com to check out and the learn section, but also they have a shop where you can yes. buy the raised beds. You can buy the, uh, the leashes and other yep. fun things that's that Mari the, is working on. That's right. Yep. yep. And that's where the, the clothing's going to be. And we've got like coffee mugs and like, it's, it's cute. The stuff is cool. Very exciting. And yeah. be sure to follow Brad on Instagram at Bevel Dog Behavior. Anywhere yes. else you want to send people? It's pretty much the gram and the site. All right. YouTube. Perfect. Well, yeah. thanks so much for coming on. Thanks I loved for having, having me. you. It was great. to hear what you guys think about that interview with Brad. I absolutely loved having him on. He's like I said, such a wealth of knowledge. And I wasn't planning on doing a beck and call segment, the Q&A this week, just because I knew it was going to be a long episode, but I did get a listener voicemail with a dog question. So I figured I'd answer just one. Just so you know, if you have a question for me on any topic, you can always call in and leave a voicemail at 214-620-0473 and I will answer your question in a future episode. But let's get to that voicemail. Hi, Merritt. Um, I just listened to your Must Love Dogs episode last night. I know I'm behind, but I don't want to miss any of them, so I'm trying to go in order. But thank you so much for sharing. I've never related to anything more in my life. I just got a puppy last um, November and it has been a struggle. But what I mainly wanted to ask about was the item about walking Reese's for two really long walks per day. So I haven't been walking my puppy because we've been working on leash manners, but I'm wondering, I guess I just wanted more guidance on that. Like, did you wait to start that until Reese's was good on a leash or did you just do it anyways? But yeah, any help you could provide there. Thank you so much. And I love listening to your podcast and I'll get caught up soon. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for calling in. And like you said, I can totally relate to those first few months being challenging with a new puppy. I do recall walking her pretty much right away. And yes, I definitely had issues with her on a leash at first. But it's sort of one of those things. It's just like practice makes perfect. You just start. You just start doing it. And earlier on in the episode, if you listened to my interview with Brad, you'll hear he recommends a slip lead when you're training a dog to walk on a leash because it puts pressure all around the neck versus just the front of the neck. So you're not getting that pull situation as much. It's just easier to communicate with the dog what you want out of them with a slip lead on. Um, and I'm sure there are a bunch of videos online if you wanted to Google that, but I would definitely recommend getting a slip lead collar for training the dog on a leash. But I mean, the the best thing to do is just to start, just to start bringing them on walks and they'll never, they're never going to learn unless you start doing it. So it may be a struggle at first. You may not get very far, but they will get the hang of it as you keep doing it. 
Leash training was one of the first things Brad helped me with during my consultation with him after I first got Reese's. And what we did was practice with a slip lead around the house and just practice leading the dog and turning with the dog and asking the dog dog to stop. And again, there are resources and videos online with leash training tips that'll show you all of this stuff. And I bet Brad and Bevel Dog Behavior, I bet the learn section has something about that there that you can watch or find with instructions on how to do this. But that helped a lot just to get her acquainted without taking her outside yet. Or if you just want to practice every day, um, that would help build up to better leash behavior on actual walks. So definitely practice around the house. Um, but he also encouraged me that when on walks, if she's, you know, tr- being stubborn or committed and not wanting to move, you know, you're, a, you're the boss, you're in charge, you kind of just kind of have to drag them along a little bit until they figure it out that they're supposed to be following you. So that's really the, all the advice I have. Of course, I'm not an expert. Go follow at Bevel Dog Behavior, go to beveldogbehavior.com and check out the learn section. Google leash training with a slip lead. I'm sure there are tons of YouTube videos to show you how to do this properly, but lots of great resources online for this. Practice makes perfect though. So just start and keep practicing. All right, guys, that's it for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and please be sure to rate and write a review if you're enjoying the podcast. It would mean so much to me and helps more than you know. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, this is a great shareable episode for anyone who has a dog, is considering getting a dog. Definitely share this episode with your friends, coworkers, family. And if you want more content from the podcast, be sure to follow along at Beck and Call Podcast on Instagram. And I will catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye.